Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. show, I have the brilliant Yolanda Clark from New Brunswick, Canada. Yolanda is a traditional birth attendant, a writer, an educator of autonomous birth. We dive into the controversial topic of ultrasounds, a subject Yolanda has spent the last 18 years researching. We discuss what they are, the studies, the social impact, risks versus benefits, and of course, we share our many opinions. I do have a personal relationship to ultrasound. So that's, that, that, that's informed my attitude and, and my perspective on it since the beginning. Um, and actually, and, and this is something that I talk about in the podcast that I'm, that I'm just about to release or that I will have already released by the time that anyone listens to this. Um, it actually starts before I was pregnant with my mother. Um, and my mom, was pregnant with my little brother when I was eight. So there's eight years between us. And I remember very distinctly my mom coming home from one of her prenatal appointments. And she did things, you know, the conventional way. She had doctors and hospital births. And she came home and said that she'd been offered this thing called an ultrasound by her doctor. Um, And she'd never heard of it before. It had never come up before. This was still in the 80s, late 80s. um, But I was born in 81. And This is the first time she'd ever encountered the term, and the doctor had offered her this ultrasound because she was so old. She was 39 years old. Um, And this was way before ultrasound was really fully in the mainstream. It wasn't a standard of care. It was just offered to, you know, women who had serious issues like advanced age. Um, And my mom, it just didn't even cross her mind. Like, she was, no, of course she's not. Like, she doesn't need to like look at the baby, you know, she's, it's fine. Um, and I recall that because it really struck me how quickly our societal attitudes towards ultrasound have changed because 11 years after my brother was born, I was then pregnant with my first baby. And actually I had the same doctor that my mom had when she was pregnant with my brother. Right. So, when I was pregnant, the very first thing that this doctor said to me is that, well, you need to go in and have an ultrasound. And so in that short space of time, just with this one individual doctor, her own attitudes towards ultrasound had shifted. So it wasn't even a problem for her that my mom declined the ultrasound, even though she was 39, even though she apparently had all these supposed risk factors, right? But then 11 years later, with confronted with a 19 year old woman, totally healthy, no issues. It was just automatic, right? You just go in for an ultrasound. And at that point I didn't know anything. I was completely ignorant. I would, I knew that I was maybe interested in having a home birth, but that idea hadn't even really coalesced in my mind. So, you know, unthinkingly I went to the ultrasound clinic and, um, and I showed up there and I remember I I was told to keep a full bladder, so that's very uncomfortable. And I sat in the waiting room and I waited. And then I went into the room and they asked me to take my pants off. And I had no idea what was even happening. Whoa. And it turned out that they were giving me a transvaginal ultrasound. Just for so, I mean, Well, yeah, it just, it, like, thinking back to that now, I mean, I thought of myself then as, you know, a strong, powerful, you know, decisive young woman. And I just, 
it was like, oh, okay, I get, you know, I just didn't even really. And I think, I think this happens to a lot of people and it, it definitely, I mean, it does for me now. And this is probably one of the reasons why I don't engage with the medical system. Like it, it almost sort of puts us, you're kind of under a spell totally. of, of their, of their authority. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I was sort of in a daze and I just, I complied. And then, I mean, the whole experience was so absolutely hellish. But what happened afterwards was interesting because two days later, uh, two days after this transvaginal ultrasound, uh, I started to miscarry. And, uh, and that was, that, that, that whole experience was a, uh, was a catalyst for, you know, doing all the research that I did kind of really making a decision to remove myself from the medical system. And very soon after that, I was pregnant with my my, the first baby that was born. So I had this first miscarriage and then this other experience, but, um, I ultrasound the, the, I, it's really hard to say, uh, whether or not the ultrasound was the reason for the miscarriage. I mean, no one will ever know, but over the course of the past, you know, almost 20 years now, 18 years, I have, been researching the issue really extensively. And especially after that experience, I, that the experience of my miscarriage, um, I started to look into ultrasound in particular and what I discovered about that technology has really actually informed so much of all of the work that I've done in birth. And it's not just the effects of the technology on living tissue that I find so compelling and chilling, really. It's also the symbolism of ultrasound Mm -hmm. and what ultrasound represents ideologically um, and metaphorically in our culture and how that really plays into so much of how birth is approached mm-hmm. in the medical system and, and in midwifery and in every aspect of, of how we do birth as a culture. Yeah, I completely agree. For me personally, I just knew I didn't want it. I wasn't drawn to it. It was this such a epicenter of everything that, you know, that paradigm represents, like you were just getting at. What I know is very minimal, which is it's never been proven safe and it can or does damage healthy cells. That's about, or tissue, that's about the extent, like, first of all, that's enough for me to not blast my, my poor little fetus with, with this like mystery technology. Um, but can you speak to a little bit about that specific part? Because of course, doctors aren't talking about this and I would imagine Mm -hmm. most don't even know, um, you know, informed consent is in no way practiced. This is such an assumed part of quote unquote care. Um, why isn't this, you know, public knowledge and, and for women listening who have never heard anything about this, can you elaborate a little bit more on the damaging the cells concept? I mean, I really need to say, like, I need to be very transparent about the fact that I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doc. Like I don't have any qualifications at all. And frankly, I don't really understand how ultrasound works. Okay. I've just, poured over these studies and articles over the years. And so I have a concept of what the, what, what the effect is, but I, I don't really get it on a, on a, on a, you well, know, I think a that's how it's able to continue. I don't either. It's super confusing. I've asked providers right. how it works and they don't understand. So right. I, I think that's such a good point. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that maybe could explain it to me, but I've never read anything that I can fully wrap my head around what it is. It's an echo. It's a, it's not even, you're not even actually seeing what's in there. It's an echo of the sound waves. I mean, it sounds yeah. confusing. It's easy to just kind of shut down and be like, it's my baby. Right. And also, I mean, it's, it's sound, right? Like sound is fine. Right. Every Like, like what's the problem? And, and, and that's very interesting too, because I've asked those same questions of, you know, doctors and regulated midwives and nurses and, now and then in the past and in the present it's almost impossible to find a medical professional who will actually 
be upfront about the fact that there are risks to this technology. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of practitioners will actually look at a woman with a straight face and say, it's perfectly safe. It's just sound. It's just sound waves. But what I know about ultrasound is that essentially it's, it consists of high frequency sound waves that are beamed onto an object. And depending on the density of the object, the sound beams bounce back and that creates an image. So that's really all I understand about it. Um, But the history of ultrasound is really fascinating. It really kind of came into being as a military technology, Mm -hmm. actually, as a way to um, keep track of... of, um, Submarines. Submarines. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And so it was used in in, in the military to locate submarines. Um, So it's got... this sort of dark history as a, you know, a, a weaponized technology. The thing about ultrasound too is, is that it's hard to, because there have been no definitive studies proving that ultrasound is safe or definitively, definitively proving any causation when mm-hmm. it comes to any specific health issues, you kind of... I guess if you want to, you can look at the big picture of all of these different sort of little pieces of research and little pieces of knowledge that we have about what it about how how the technology behaves and then put together an idea that you know for yourself as to you know how how you feel about it because there's no definitive research in term in in the the area of health. And I actually think that its ubiquity really comes down for the most part, to economics, so money, and the enormous investment that healthcare systems have made in this technology. Um, So we've poured money into ultrasound, and ultrasound alone represents an enormous portion of the funding that has gone into obstetrics as a field. Right. So here we have these healthcare systems that have invested hundreds of millions of dollars into these ultrasound machines. And the healthcare system in Canada is not the same as the U.S., but let me use Canada as an example because it, it's, it's, there are similar factors in, in every country. So we have socialized healthcare in Canada. So um, we don't pay out of pocket to go and visit a doctor. So, but, but nonetheless, the government funds healthcare, and the way that it works is that every time a patient or an individual is sent for a specific treatment or a specific diagnostic, that specific treatment has a cost associated with it. So the healthcare system bills the government for that specific treatment. So we have this system that is like bolstering this enormous infrastructure of which ultrasound plays a major part. So mm-hmm. we have the machines, we have ultrasound technicians, we have nurses who are working in the right. ultrasound you know, areas. So there's really no incentive whatsoever to minimize um, the use of this technology right. because it's already, it's, we have these structures that are already set up. So it, the, the, the Canadian healthcare system functions under this sort of continuous self-fulfilling sort of circular conflict of interest in a way, right? Because we've hired these people, we've bought this equipment. Every time someone is sent to have an ultrasound, the system gets an injection of money from the government, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's very complicated, but there's just been so much investment in this, in this technology that it, uh, that, that I think plays a part in why, no one really wants to know that it's dangerous. No one really wants to talk about the risk. Well, it's our, you know? it's our generation's x-rays. I mean, we shudder that a couple generations ago, they were blasting pregnant women with x-rays. And in a, a X amount of generations from now, I couldn't, I couldn't guess when, they will look back on ultrasounds. And, and you know, I mean, I've heard this commentary from uh, other researchers that this is our generation's x-ray of pregnant moms. It's... <laughs> I, I think that's true, but I think where it where things get tricky with ultrasound is that the effects are 
as as far as we know at this point, much more subtle yeah. and cumulative. And we're also, and so, okay, this is an interesting thing too. So one of the arguments that I hear from, from other mothers and other individuals often is like, okay, yeah, you know, maybe ultrasound's not the best, but you know, look at the world. We're bombarded constantly with, you know, toxins and what, dangers yeah. and, and all that. One more? Like, what, what's one little ultrasound mm-hmm. going to do? And my perspective is like, yes, that's precisely why I will not have an ultrasound is because we are already bombarded with all of these, you know, dangerous, um, you know, factors and, and, um, and exposed to all kinds of, of hazards. Uh, so, I, I think that it, it's very complicated, and it is probably a relatively subtle uh, effect, but that's actually the aspect of ultrasound that is not ambiguous. The fact that we know that ultrasound damages and modifies and destroys cells, and you know, we know that because of simply how the technology functions. So there are two effects that we're aware that ultrasound has on living tissue. And the first is that the tissues become heated, Mm -hmm. overly, overly heated. Um, And then there's also a process called cavitation, which again, I don't really completely understand, but essentially the, 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 the basic concept is that ultrasound creates these pockets of gas that then kind of bubble and and this causes damage to damage to tissues. Um, so, so we know that that occurs. But the argument again is that um, you know it's it's relatively subtle. Um, it's probably not that big a deal, and supposedly the benefits outweigh exactly. the risks. Yeah. Okay. So in order to really think about that clearly, like we have to examine what are the supposed benefits of ultrasound, right? Um, and I just, Oh, it's such a, it's such a, a frustrating issue for me because I don't personally see any benefit to ultrasound. Like it is, there's, I think there's this concept out there among, you know, pregnant mothers and, and doctors maybe as well that, you know, ultrasound has this sort of power to grant insight into, you know, what's going on with your developing baby. A hundred percent. That's literally what everyone thinks. That's literally yes. what everyone thinks. But 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 there's. It seems to me that there's very little thought behind that because that little fuzzy black and white photograph that everyone receives and they all kind of look the same. Right. right? That's an echo of a sound. Yeah. It's an echo of a sound, and 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 that image. That's what ultrasound does. Like you can look at that all you want, but you're not actually really seeing that much that can give any information. So, so you know, what, what can ultrasound give us? So ultrasound can tell us that your baby is moving around at that particular moment in time at which the photograph was taken. So here's so that's another thing, right? Um, okay, so let let me let me backpedal a little bit. This is um, I hear from women all the time. And you can read these in every thread on social media. I had my ultrasound and I'm so happy and excited because my baby's so healthy and it's great. I mean, an ultrasound cannot ever confirm to a woman that her baby's healthy. All an ultrasound can say, all an ultrasound can reveal is that, yes, there's a baby in there. Yes, it was moving around at the precise moment that the ultrasound was undertaken. Yes, it has two arms and two legs and a head. And that there's only one or two or three. And right? there's only one or two or three, right? But you know, yeah. And that there's a heartbeat yeah. at the time. At that the time the that the picture was taken. taken. That's right. I mean, five minutes later. Yeah. A a, a baby could 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 uh, could die uh, after course. the ultrasound. Not. I'm not suggesting that that happens because of an ultrasound, but but it's just that that the picture that you receive an ultrasound, it is just an image of a moment in time. You know, it doesn't give you any insight into the before or the after or really the status of health of your baby at all, you know? And it of doesn't, course, it, we, we know that the vast majority of things that ultrasound is suspected to help with, to help give insight, can all be done through more traditional midwifery, um, you know, 
tools like palpating and, you know, really simple things. Exactly. And I go into that in in my podcast too. And, and the thing about, so exactly in every, in every instance of the supposed benefits of ultrasound, we can glean that information in other ways. So the, the, the issue though, is that for, let's take, um, you know, let's take, uh, the gestational age of a baby, right? Ultrasound is actually fairly accurate at determining a baby's gestational age prior to 10 weeks gestation. But I guess my question about that is, A, I don't really feel that there's any necessity in determining with any real accuracy gestational age. There's lots of arguments for and against that, but to my mind, it's not a huge priority. Um, but also between 10 weeks and, you know, 25 weeks or, or even full term, there are so many ways to determine approximate gestational age using a, a variety of different holistic and non-invasive methods. Mm-hmm. However, however, all of those require a relationship with the right. pregnant woman. All of those require some degree of intimacy with the pregnant woman. Whereas ultrasound is sort of, again, this perfect symbol of industrial obstetrics because a woman comes in, she lays down, you do the thing, you see the stuff on the screen, and then out she goes. And it's it's such a very sort of, on the surface level, it's a very easy, easy way of, you know, getting some information that you can then put down on a chart. But it really feeds into this um, situation that we have now where um, we have this, this term called prenatal care, but in reality, it couldn't be, it couldn't be further from what constitutes true caring. It's like prenatal harm. It's it's some prenatal harm. It's prenatal indifference, you know. Where do you get your prenatal harm? Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. It's, it's just sad and terrible, and I, I can't stand it. Oh, dear. Okay, so we went over things that it can show us and that many of those things can be shown and learned through midwifery techniques. Of course, the doctor would have to know those techniques. Other than being willing to have a relationship with the woman, they would actually need to know them, right? And how many women see an OB or, or a group of OBs or just a nurse practitioner that, you know, only sees the OB in labor, et cetera, where nobody touches the woman and she's not touched one time. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. as far as I'm aware, the most common way that obstetrics goes down, at least in America, nobody's palpating, nobody's touching. Um, so yeah, Yeah, exactly. Such a good point about you'd actually have to have a relationship um, and that, and that, that actually relates also to, you know, this, this, the, the ritual of listening to a baby's heartbeat. So, mm-hmm. um, another, another rationale for, uh, the use of ultrasound another supposed benefit of ultrasound is, comes in terms of, of Doppler use. So, so I think a lot of people also still don't quite understand that a Doppler is ultrasound. So the Doppler is, is it's just audio, but again, it uses exactly the same technology. It, it is an ultrasound device. Um, and we're told that, you know, it's such a great thing that we can use a Doppler to listen to your baby's heartbeat at 10 weeks. Like you don't have to wait for tw- until 20 weeks, right? Because um, it's not until about 20 weeks that you can discern the baby's heartbeat using a fetoscope. Um, but why on earth do we need to listen to a baby's heartbeat at 10 weeks? I mean, what, 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 what does that do? What does that give us? What that does is it tells us we are pregnant. And so we can plan and plan and plan and plan and feel this sense of control over what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Knowing none of that was on the table for me, I really had to, or chose to pay attention and I knew when my cycles were and I knew when they weren't. I knew when I, you know, I knew when I was fertile and I knew when I conceived and, you know, I know not everybody has it that clear, of course, and cycles can be crazy or people can be breastfeeding when they conceive and things are all different. But um, it really, 
invited me to take a much deeper look at my experience and, of course, obviously approach the whole spiritual side of things without this outside validation, you know, not knowing if the fetus was continuing to thrive in that time between when I stopped being sick to about when I started showing, which is around 16 weeks. So between like 12 and 16 weeks, you know, which is, it would have been so validating to have had a Doppler and I could just hear this little heartbeat because of course we're being, um, worked on, you know, in your pregnancy, that so much of the work is to sit in the unknown and to feel the worry in your body and, and decide how to deal with it. And, you know, I would have been robbed of that work if I had this false sense of security by turning to a Doppler at any point in my pregnancy, but especially in that one month where I, you know, I didn't feel any symptoms because the nausea went away. Anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, that's all very important. And of course, you know, we live in a culture where immediate gratification is, mm-hmm. you know, a necessity uh, or, or seen as a necessity that we, we can't deal with any, any uncertainty, as you said. Yeah. But the other thing that, that this insistence on kind of documenting and, and, you know, confirming all of a, a pregnancy at whatever stage is that part of it feeds into the setup for induction. Like, mm-hmm establishing dates and, you know, doing, doing the ultrasounds and the heart tones at at all of these different sort of times that doctors have decided are the right times that actually often serves as a pretext for ensuring that doctors maintain control throughout a pregnancy and then also can, you know, drum up this sort of evidence if they feel they need to, um, when a woman is near her birth time so that they can enact more control. And it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, imagining this grand conspiracy theory and I don't know, in a way it it, it is, it's not, um, you know, it's not really that sinister because it's pretty, up front. You well, know, that's, I mean, that's one of, one of the craziest things about this whole conversation is how maybe not nationally known, but how many, 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 many people within the system and birth workers, et cetera, know how notoriously inaccurate ultrasounds are. So we're making this technology be the end all be all must have it's crazy if you don't use it it gives us so much information so much peace of mind and on the other flip side we all know how inaccurate it is I mean not all obviously most people don't but it's pretty wild that we know especially people who attend births in hospital you know that they say oh your baby's measuring at about eight pounds they don't follow that up with then saying and we know that that is within and uh, usually within a two pound you know guesstimate <laughs> you know which which is the truth right so yeah. anyone no, I mean we hear yeah if you're yeah. if you're hearing that your baby's nine and that's reason to induce or have c-section and then your baby comes out seven pounds I hope you're fucking pissed you know, yeah, well, that I mean, happens all the time. It happens right? all, hear, the time. all the time. N- n- ultrasound is notoriously poor at determining the size of a baby. Fluids is a huge, huge rationale for um, ordering Induction. ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. And that, that just it just makes me laugh because it's a terrible determinant of fluid levels. Furthermore, external palpation right. is a far, far better way to like it just it, 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 it's, it's, but this isn't a question of if there's a better way, they literally are not trained in it, you know, or they don't, they don't do it. I mean, I I mean, find me a woman who's getting palpated by a doctor, you know, I, I don't think that there's many out there, you know, so knowing how inaccurate the whole, the whole thing is, how little insight it can really give us. Yeah, it, it is. It's just, it is ultimately a social commentary on how willing we are to, have these technocratic birth systems and not even, not even look at them. And that we're the ones that are crazy that we don't want something that literally doesn't make sense. Yeah. And actually it, it, it statistically doesn't make sense because what the scientific studies show is that whether or not a woman has an ultrasound doesn't actually improve 
her chances of having a positive outcome. So this is an example of a study that was done. I think it was done in Helsinki. Um, it was a little while ago. So again, there are very few recent studies done on ultrasound. And I think there's this sort of idea within the medical community that that, that chapter is closed. Like we've, we've decided ultrasound's great. Yes, there were some studies in the you know 90s that you know had some very frightening um, results, but we're just going to ignore that and move on you know, with, with our project. Um, but anyway, this is a very, um, very compelling study, and I think it's still relevant. It was done in Helsinki. Um, I don't have quite the information right in front of me, but I'll, I'll summarize it. Um, so it was a group of, I think, two or 3,000 women who were, who were looked at. And uh, this was a study done on placenta previa. So this is another issue that comes up as a rationale for ultrasound. So, so this is something that I've noticed over the years. I've noticed it in myself and also um, with many, many, many of many women that I've, I've worked with. Um, and that's that when they go into their doctor's office and they say, well, actually I, I don't, I don't want an ultrasound. The doctor, uh, sells it, uh, pushes it on them or sells it with such aggression that they really feel like they can't refuse. And <clears throat> one of the big selling points of ultrasound is, you know, how are you going to find out if you have placenta previa or not? If you don't have an ultrasound, that's the only way you can find out. So first of all, that's not true because placenta previa very rarely presents asymptomatically. In the majority of cases, there will be bleeding in the second or third trimester. So it's it's unusual, not 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 impossible, but unusual that it would present without symptoms. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, a very skilled practitioner can often hear the placenta, locate the placenta using a fetoscope or a penard horn. Um, you do need a lot of skill to do that. So, you know, it's something that you know, has to, it requires training, but that's another way that, you mm -hmm. know, the placement of the placenta can be determined. Um, but this study done in Helsinki was very, very interesting because they were looking at this, uh, they, they had separated the, this group of women into two groups. Um, one who had, who received, um, many ultrasounds and another group that received no ultrasounds. And early on in the study, when um, I think the, I think it was undertaken sort of between a certain period of time in the middle of their pregnancy. So when the study was first done, the group of women who received ultrasounds, I think a, quite a large percentage of them were diagnosed as having placenta previa, which is such a nonsense diagnosis prior to the end of a pregnancy anyway, because the placement of the placenta will shift because the uterus itself grows. So often we're seeing we're seeing this more and more actually um, that women at you know 20 weeks or 25 weeks gestation are being diagnosed with placenta previa based on an ultrasound because at that point in their pregnancy their placenta may be lying somewhat low, somewhat close to the cervix. Sorry, placenta previa is when the placenta is obstructing the cervix and is lying over top of the woman's cervix um, so, so as to obstruct the passage of the baby. It is a very serious condition. True placenta previa can um, you know, compromise the life of, of the mother and the baby and, and can cause serious problems. So it's not something to dismiss, not at all. But we're seeing women being diagnosed with placenta previa at 20 weeks and 25 weeks. And the fact of the matter is the way that the uterus grows as a baby is growing, the uterus grows up and out. So the placenta will always sort of by default be displaced away from the woman's cervix. Because so the it, placenta is already anchored in to whatever part of the uterus it has locked into. So as yeah, the, the uterus grows, adhered. the placenta grows with it or ca carries it, on with it. Exactly. Exactly. So this study in Helsinki showed that early on in their pregnancies, the women who were receiving ultrasounds, many of them were diagnosed with placenta previa. At the end of these women's pregnancies, all of the women the women who received ultrasounds and the women who didn't receive ultrasounds, there was the same rate of placenta previa among both cohorts and the same rate of, um, 
problems associated with placenta previa. So it really, this study proved that there's actually no statistical benefit in terms of placenta previa in doing ultrasounds either. And yet it continues, ultrasound continues to be held up as one of the main, um, placenta previa continues to be held up as one of the main reasons for ordering an ultrasound. And this is what so many of the, the women that I've worked with have been confronted with is, you know, they go in they decline an ultrasound. The doctor says, well, don't you care about your baby? Like, what about placenta previa? Do you want your baby to die? And that is literally what women are hearing mm -hmm. from their own obstetricians. And it is so manipulative and, and really just, it, it, it's, it's manipulative and also exposes the ignorance of so many medical practitioners, really. I know a woman who was recently labeled high risk by her doctor because she declined an ultrasound. So now declining the ultrasound makes you high risk because if they don't know what they think they can know from an ultrasound, you're now high risk. Right. Pretty fascinating. Right. And, and, you know, just into that around, around palpating for fluids. And, you know, I was, when you were talking, I had this flash of how many births I've been to where the woman comes in in labor and they want to do one more ultrasound just to confirm that the head's down. And, you know, she's already been in to see her doctor like 10 times in the last month. Um, and yes, babies can flip at the end. And yes, that is possible, but it's usually a resident who's learning how to use ultrasound and it's all just, it's so, it's so obvious all of the layers of what's happening. Mm, but anyway, so you know, but of course, like what's another way that we could determine if the head's down, like it's oh my gosh! I mean, that's simple. not even really difficult at all. It's right. so incredibly no, simple. Of course. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. But 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 one of the reasons, yes, I think what we what you mentioned about you know residents getting training on on women and mm -hmm. ultrasounding them just for fun, that's something that's quite disgusting. But also, I think another real impetus for all of this rampant use of ultrasound is that for doctors, it is important for their liability to mm -hmm. show that they have supposedly done their due diligence, right? And ultrasound, again, is sort of, it's the thing. It's the thing that you do to, you know, to do stuff. Well, and, and humans are fallible, right? But an yeah. ultrasound is going to show us that head, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. it's, it is that we, as a, as a society, we all know this, that we trust machines, you know, more than we trust ourselves. Those doctors trust the ultrasound more than they trust their own hands, you know, yeah. and doctors are not allowed to make mistakes and they, you know, are put in this crazy position of having to cover their ass in every possible situation. And so there we go. I mean, there's just so, it is so complicated yeah. and there's so many yeah. factors leading to yeah. this huge crutch of society in obstetrics that's not improving outcomes. I mean, that's like the joke yeah. of it all. It's not yeah. actually improving outcomes. Yeah. Um, and I want to just, I don't, I, again, I don't have these studies at my fingertips, but I just want to talk a little bit about the, and I, it, I have to be careful because I don't want to use the word evidence if that's not in fact accurate, but there is an enormous burden of information gleaned from studies done on animals that show that ultrasound has a very, very deleterious effect on the organs and tissues of mammals. It would be so, crazy to think that it, it wouldn't. It's blasting high-frequency sound that we know heats it up. Yeah. And then we're putting on ex external fetal monitoring for 40 hours on a mom. Which is ultrasound, by which the way. Which is ultrasound. And a lot of people don't, don't know that either. Yeah, yeah. so let's just but make sure we say that. So Doppler and the ultrasound that shows the image and external fetal monitoring that they put on you prenatally usually and it's the non-stress test, you know, whole ritual if you dare to carry past 40 weeks and then, um, you know, in labor if you're in the hospital, the extended you know, straps that are just yeah. shooting that frequency at your baby the whole time yeah. you're there. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny when, when I talk about or write about the animal studies that have been done, you know, many of them, and there's just such an urge on the part of so many women to dismiss all of that information. And yes, it's not maybe relevant in some ways because no, we're not rats, but our 
physical structures and our tissues right. and the way that our organs function, it's very, very similar. So, like, to my mind, it just doesn't make sense to um, to refuse to kind of take all of that information into account. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just another quick thing on the, on the sort of science behind whether or not ultra- ultrasound is safe. There is a report um, that was recently published in the past couple of years by a man called Jim West, um, and it's a collation of, I think it's over a hundred studies that were done in China by Chinese researchers, and these are studies that were done on groups of women who were planning to abort their pregnancies. And so these scientists took these groups of women and they did extensive testing on with ultrasound on these fetuses that were slated to be aborted. And it's a little bit sad, but anyway. Um, and the results of those studies are published in this bibliography that Jim West has put out. And the results of his research, the results of the research of these Chinese scientists is absolutely shocking. And this is a collection of studies that is, has been paid no attention to by the Western medical community whatsoever. And I think quite universally dismissed because they have not undergone any kind of peer review, right? So these studies in China were done on over 2,700 pregnant mothers who are planning to abort their babies. And the ultrasounds were undertaken at a very early stage in gestation because these were mothers who were planning abortions. And um, what, what the studies found is that even very low doses of ultrasound at low frequencies at a very early stage of gestation. So this is around the time when, you know, a lot of women have dating ultrasounds early on in their pregnancy, right? So this this research showed that the ultrasound caused measurable damage to the brains, kidneys, immune systems, chorionic villi, and corneas of this these aborted babies or, or these fetuses, the, the tissue of these fetuses. So... I mean, so do you I don't think know. that it would have like corrected itself as it was? I mean, because obviously we are having seemingly normal children in our society that are all getting well, blasted throughout their pregnancy. So if we're seeing massive damage in these studies, how how is that relate to what we are seeing in our society which is you know, seemingly functional human beings. Well, are we though? I mean, there are also studies done um, that seem to indicate that there may be a strong correlation between ultrasound and this is a real flashpoint, but, you know, autism-like behaviors. And I, again, I really don't know. I'm not making any kind of judgment one way or another, but, um, you know, if, if you, if, if, if you if one was to ponder that suggestion um that actually corresponds very clearly with the rise of the 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 sort of universal prevalence of ultrasound in our society so like the late 80s is when ultrasound really started to be employed um on a large scale and that's also the time when you know we've seen this enormous just kind of unbelievable spike in uh, behavioral issues like like um, autism and attention deficit disorder and things like that. So, you know, there was a study done at the University of Washington um, quite a, f- a few years ago that showed that pregnant mice exposed to 30 minutes of ultrasound experienced effects that altered the learning memory of ne- and neuroanatomy of the baby mice born to those mothers. Um, so, I yeah. mean, it's just like to me... Uh, uh, I, I, I totally accept that there's no de- definitive proof of you know, causation for any of this, but I just, I, I could never feel comfortable um, exposing my own kids to this. So when you say that it has been proven to damage healthy cells, was that 
in human tissues beyond the China study, or was that mostly in animal studies? Well, we know it's in human tissues because ultrasound is actually used specifically for the purposes of damaging cells. So ultrasound is used to help to treat the testicles of men who have testicular cancer. So ultrasound is used to kind of break up these cancerous tumors. Ultrasound is also used in physiotherapy quite a bit. Um, and I think I think that's related to, again, kind of breaking up calcification in tissues. And that's a very interesting one as well because there was another study done. Where was that one done? That might have also been in Finland. Um, and it showed that physiotherapists who were performing um, ultrasound technology who, who were using ultrasound on their patients had a much, much higher chance of miscarriage than um, control groups. So ultrasound is also, um, it's suggested that ultrasound may have something to do with, you know, miscarriage for those who are exposed to it. Um, and so you're saying uh, that the same, the same ultrasound technology that's being used to break up calcification and to treat testicular cancer is also the same stuff, the same technology that's being used on our fetuses. Right. And isn't that enough? You know, like that's enough for me. I mean, each one of these individual points, you know, each one of these individual studies, each one of these individual um, items of fact about how ultrasound works is actually enough for me mm -hmm. to deeply, deeply question the safety of this technology in our children. Um, and yet it, I think it's, I, I, I you know, I, I think the issue comes down to, um, you know, worldview in, in many ways. So, okay, here's an example of what I'm talking about. This was very, very fascinating to me. Um, I've been asking women, you know, over the past 20 years, like about, why it is that they have chosen to engage with ultrasound because I'm interested in sort of the psychology behind what goes into this decision. Um, and something that someone said to me recently was that, you know, she, she's aware of the risks of ultrasound to a degree, yet she just had this intuitive sense that she should have one done. And I hear that a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. And I find it really interesting because it's almost as though, like, it's, it's interesting to me that anyone would link intuition with this kind of destructive 21st century technology. It's almost akin to someone saying, like, I just had this intuitive sense that I needed to eat a donut. <laughs> like, li like, like literally no one needs to eat a donut ever, right. you know, like, and it if you're eating really... it, it's certainly not your intuition, it's not your unless, intuition unless, unless you bit into that donut and there was like a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> That's right. Like, like that. damn, that was so my intuition. I'm going to eat five more. <laughs> exactly. Well, right. No, it's very, it's spiritual bypass it, because yeah. if you find something, you can call it your intuition. And if you don't find something, you can call it your intuition, you know? Yeah. And, and actually I just want to piggyback that really quick because I wanted to bring this up. Something that I hear all the time is, um, especially even women who are primarily mostly birthing out of the system, they will still say, well, of course I'm still going to get the 20 week. Oh, why is that for peace of mind? Okay. Right. So what is this peace of mind? What yeah. is this? Exactly. You know, and, and maybe it is as simple as I want to know if there's four limbs. Okay. What if there's not, you know, like at 20 mm -hmm. weeks, honestly, I don't know if you should be getting an ultrasound if you're not prepared to terminate. And if you don't live in a, in a place where, you know, if you, if you find something that doesn't fit for you, that you don't want to continue the pregnancy with, you know, otherwise, why, what are you going to do? What right. are you going to do with yeah. that information that we yeah. already know might not even be true? So I had this conversation the other day with a friend and she said, um, I said, what kind of prenatal 
you know, assistance do you think you'll seek? And she said, well, I'll probably get one ultrasound for peace of mind. And I said, oh, that's interesting. What peace of mind will it give you? She said, well, just to, um, you know, show me that the baby's okay. Okay. So at what point in your pregnancy does an ultrasound tell you that your baby's okay? Well, I don't know. You don't, you get it at like 20 weeks. So what happens at 20 weeks? What is it showing you? Do you know what ultrasound is? And just blank face. Yeah. You know, so yep. that's all that's, the time. And this is what yeah. you and I talk about all the time, you know, privately is this episode is not about shaming women who have had ultrasounds or who may choose to get an ultrasound. It is about applying critical thought to these rituals that we are mm-hmm. under the influence of in our society that no one is criticizing or you know, looking under the blanket and looking at what else is there. And if ultrasound really gave us peace of mind, wouldn't we be seeing better outcomes? Wouldn't we be walking around having better pregnancies? You know, wouldn't we be more peace of mind? You know, at 20 weeks, you can already check the heartbeat with a fetoscope. So, okay, we already know that there's a heartbeat. So what else is this ultrasound going to give you? And, you know, my, my judgment of doing these potentially harmful things to pregnancies is you better have a good fucking reason. If you're going to do this to your kid, you better have a good reason why you're doing it. And that's what you yeah. mentioned in the beginning of, of benefits, you know, outweighing the risks. What is the benefit? Is there any good reason for ultrasound? Or, and, and furthermore, is there a good reason for transvaginal ultrasound? Because that's oh, like a whole nother violation and assault, so you know? And, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, I would never have an ultrasound. Like I literally cannot conceive of a scenario in which I would ever choose to have an ultrasound because even in the case of, you know, finding a heart defect, finding a major, um, developmental, um, difference, there's literally nothing that can be done. You know, there's nothing that can be done. And, and actually I've, I've had women, um, bring to me these, you know, hypothetical scenarios like, you know, what if your baby has all of its organs developing outside of its body? Um, I forget the term, but that's something that sometimes can happen. And I, I, I can say very honestly, my preference would be to go through the course of my pregnancy with a state of trust and peace and assuming that all is well, or perhaps having some kind of genuine intuition that all is not well. And then to be able to birth my baby in the peace and quiet of my home and take action at that point if necessary, you know? Um, right, but I think the other side of that is would would it be too late, you know, to birth a baby at home with a birth def- with a birth defect of any kind, especially something serious, would it be too late to transfer? And this is where we get into are we really trusting? Yeah, and it's really unfortunate because again this comes back to the fact that doctors are always telling women that oh, you know, great, your ultrasound looks good, your baby is healthy or allowing women to assume that an ultrasound that appears to be normal means that they have a healthy baby because spina bifida can be missed by an ultrasound. You know, all sorts of issues can be missed by an ultrasound. But it's easy for doctors to allow women to believe that their ultrasound means they have a healthy baby because in the vast majority of cases, their babies are going to appear healthy anyway, right? And then there's also the argument that people make, which is that, well, I had six ultrasounds and like my kid's super smart. So, you know, go to hell, you must be full of shit. And like, I find that, that strange too, because Maybe, yeah, maybe your kid's super smart, but maybe they could be a little bit smarter if they had if you hadn't had <laughs> Well, I mean, that's like, the whole vaccination I mean, thing too. Like one woman can watch her child be, yeah. become ill from a vaccine and another mom says, well, my kid did fine. So what you're saying is not true. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's an irrelevant you no, know, exactly. conversation. It doesn't have any real validity. Yeah, exactly. But I actually, to me, it's almost similar to, and this, this may come across as terribly offensive, but that's okay. Um, it's almost like, like s- smoking a cigarette has a, an objective effect of calming the nervous system for a short period of time. Like that's one of the reasons why people smoke. It relaxes them. And smoking used to be a part of pregnancy. Women used to, you know, doctors used to tell women like you can smoke, you know, three cigarettes a day to just, you know, calm yourself down. So it's like, do we, 
I don't see it really as terribly different, really, in a way, right? Like ultrasound for peace of mind, like, how does that work? You're going to expose your child to high frequency sound waves in utero, damaging their cells so that you can have peace of mind. To me, it's like smoking a cigarette for peace of mind. I don't, well, and make... I think we are considered broken. And so an ultrasound proves that we are or are not. You know, the peace of mind is, am I growing a healthy baby? All I hear are horror stories and all I hear are babies getting sick and all I hear are, you know, how, how our bodies don't work and how my sister needed an emergency C-section, but I know she really wanted that natural birth and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we're, we're bombarded with all of this evidence, all of this, you know, false evidence that our bodies are broken. So this really, to me, peace of mind is saying, I have something, I have some technology that we as a society trust telling me I am growing a healthy baby. And so I can birth at home or I can whatever, you know, whatever I can relax. I can have peace of mind now that this agreed upon thing that is not me because I'm not allowed to just trust my body. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've interviewed so many women who the way they were treated by their family and community when they chose not to have a scan is repulsive. Yeah, no, it's it's actually seen as, you know, a, a form of like gross negligence to decline yeah. an ultrasound. It's it it is shocking to people that one wouldn't have an ultrasound. Oh, and then there's the issue of um oh, this is huge. I mean, one of the one of the real reasons why people have ultrasound is because they want to find out their baby's sex. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, that feeds into a whole enormous issue around gender socialization. And I've read some fascinating studies, many, many studies that show that, um, and I mean, you don't need study to, to recognize this anyway, but you know, that, that gendered socialization, occurs well before birth and ultrasound actually plays an enormous part in that as soon as a woman finds out that she's having a male or a female child she actually relates to the child inside her body differently she speaks to that child differently mm -hmm. she she makes assumptions about the personality of that child based on the sex that has been deciphered via ultrasound so i actually think that it's it's very very pernicious in that sense as well um and i don't think that well this is this is also very interesting i hear women say all the time that they didn't feel a connection to their baby until they saw it on the ultrasound screen so that really mimics um how our culture is relating individuals to themselves, individuals to other people. I mean, our friendships are mediated through the screen. You know, our sexuality has a, you know, a, a, a very unfortunate connection to the screen. Um, and our babies in a way are made real when we see them mm -hmm. on that ultrasound screen. Um, and I just think it's it's a very interesting uh, commentary on our whole culture. And what's that that quote? If our babies were meant to be seen in pregnancy, our stomachs would have windows. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I love there that. There you go. And also, I think that there's this idea that you know, if we know about a potential problem beforehand, then yes, there's this concept that we can, you know, prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves emotionally, that we can kind of gather a medical team together. But in a lot of these cases, <laughs> what you're, what, what, what women are doing is setting themselves up for a birth process that's going to involve so many more negative interventions that are probably not even necessary you know i mean a child you know I, I have i have friends whose whose children were born with you know cleft lip and palate and you know the the because they were made aware of this be, uh, thanks to ultrasound their birth process has involved so much mm -hmm. paraphernalia and intervention that really wasn't actually even necessary in order to deal with that particular issue. But 
it so yeah i mean for me i i would definitely rather not know but yeah it, it certainly comes down to you know your personal philosophy and how you approach life in general you know i don't maybe you know more about it than i do but i remember reading in the gentle birth gentle mothering book um, by sarah buckley talking about how in america um, ultrasound was getting introduced in the late 80s and by the 90s when regulations actually came around for technology that was being used in the hospitals, uh, ultrasound had already become so normalized, um, it just got grandfathered in. And so it's kind of interesting because again, right, we're all going into this assumption, well, we're not, but, but the average person who hasn't really gotten too deep into this is assuming that their doctor's using evidence-based care, technology that's been proven safe, and that all of this is increasing safety, right? And that's like the big joke on this whole thing is it's not. And, you know, we're Mm -hmm. looked at as the irresponsible, you know, radical, (laughs) you know, just atrocious people who are actually saying, I'm actually kind of going to side with nature on this one. It it really is. It just comes down to a spiritual way of life. I mean, it's, it's such a large, you could just apply it to every aspect of how we live. It's very interesting. Yeah. I think that we just don't think very deeply about these issues. You know, I have noticed a shift in the past few years. There are more people I think who are questioning the safety of ultrasound, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there, it's interesting too, to note that, you know, some large organizations with the world health organization, there, there are some, I don't know if that's it exactly, but there are some large kind of international health organizations that have actually, um, publicized, you know, uh, guidelines suggesting that we actually scale back our mm-hmm. use of ultrasound. It is. It's um, the World Health Organization, the CDC, and the FDA. There's like right. three massive organizations that all say um, it should only be used when medically indicated gonna, of high risk. Whatever that means. Situa- yeah. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. But that it shouldn't but I mean, be but, used. Yeah, go ahead. Right, right. And that in and of itself, I mean, if, this, if the World Health Organization is saying something that even – hints at going against, you know, conventional medical practice, you kind of want to investigate that, don't you? I mean, to me, that's, that's a big, um, you know, kind of red flag that there's something going on there that, you know, the, 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 the incongruity between how individual doctors are presenting this technology mm-hmm. and the apparent concern that these large, um, you know, health bodies have, Again, there's something there that we need to be paying attention to, and I don't think enough people are. And that that was another part I remember Sarah Buckley talking about in that book about how there aren't regulations around how to calibrate the ultrasound machines. And so it can be incredibly high or incredibly low. And of course, someone could hear that and not even know what that means. And like we said at the beginning of the show, we hardly even understand what that means. Oh, no. I don't know what that means. That the calibration can be so high. Of course, it's going to be hotter, I'm assuming. There's more heat. And so it could, you know, but that that the point being that there aren't even regulations around this stuff, that an ultrasound machine. And women, sorry, yeah, and 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 as an individual women, we don't have access to any of that. We go into the ultrasound room and we simply submit. I mean, it's a process of of submission. You know, we don't we don't get any information about. You know, women are not told about the risks. Women are not explained. We're not given given any explanation as to you know what kind of machine is being used. This you know the it just it's all and how how about that that women aren't that the ultrasound technicians aren't allowed to even say anything about what they're seeing to the woman and that whole drama that. I actually bring that up in my podcast. Um, I mentioned that specifically in in the podcast. Um, And this is an enormous issue for me, actually. Um, And that is that you will frequently hear midwives, midwives, women who should, who are supposedly charged with preserving the integrity of birth and protecting mothers and babies, midwives frequently make jokes about 
how babies clearly and actively move away from the ultrasound waves. And this is the Doppler and the ultrasound ultrasound it's 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 widely recognized in birth circles mm-hmm. and it's joked about and people find it funny that when you put a doppler on a mother's abdomen the baby is evidently moving and kicking and gesturing and sometimes jerking wildly oh. clearly in order to avoid the sound waves and i just i don't find it funny and i think the fact that it is seen as a joke really betrays a, 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 a profound lack of compassion and understanding. And, and that frankly, it's, it's abusive. You know, it's abusive. I mean, all of these things that we've talked about in this conversation, each of them individually are, are, are a grave cause for concern and put together. I just, I, I personally get a picture that, that um, you know, I, I can't have anything to do with it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting, too, to look at who is promoting this technology and who are its detractors. The only people who are speaking out against ultrasound are independent birth workers and people who have absolutely no, who receive, who derive no benefit whatsoever. Like, I don't get paid for any of this. Like, I don't, there's no, there's no incentive for me to talk about this. All I really get is told that I'm, you know, a nutcase. Um, And the, the people who are promoting this and selling it as beneficial and, you know, encouraging women to engage with it, they have a vested interest in, um, continuing the use of this technology, whether it's an economic interest or a liability reason or, you know, you know, whatever it is. It runs so deep. It's so deep and it's so, it's so much interrelated with all these other issues. You know, we Mm -hmm. talked about induction, we talked about just, just the, the, the general necessity to control birthing women's behavior. So much, um, rests on our, submission to all of these systems taken together and ultrasound is such a central part of it. Well, I'm excited to hear your three part episode coming up three episodes about ultrasound where you're going to break all this down in much greater detail. And it's important (laughs) to get this out there because so few people are talking against this. And, you know, I, I see the few people, you know, the few mothers even who publicly, who have big platforms and publicly go against ultrasound just for themselves um, are vilified so quickly. So, you know, it's why we are committed to having these conversations. And, you know, for anyone listening who wants to continue the conversation, you know, please, please reach out to us and find us on social media and, and contribute to this conversation. It's, it's ongoing and interesting and um, needs to get said. So thank you for your time. And I love you very much. Thanks, Emily. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the free birth podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember your body, your choice, lots of love.